Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSR, HealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. glad you are here uh yeah like i would say great relationships begin within and with a good practice i don't know if you were with us last week um but we had a surprise turn of events you're just joining us for the first time you're in the right place we are revamping the show and we're migrating in that direction in that new direction slowly but surely so if this is your first time hooray welcome to the program uh we talk about love and relationships here at Marianne Live, where it's all about helping you deepen your inquiry into love and relationships, and we want to help you translate what you know in your thinking mind about love and relationships into your embodied experience. So that's what we're all about. We've been doing it for 11 years, and we're changing our format up a little bit. We want to make uh, it even more clear, place a greater emphasis on you translating all of the knowledge that you have into your lived experience. So one of the ways we do that is at the top of the hour, which is now, we engage in the practice, offering resources and skills that you may already know but want to deepen, um, or if it's new, you want to add to your tool belt. And then we introduce our guest or guests. Today we have one amazing author who's joining us this hour uh, who is here with us to talk about uh, the Supreme Love Project. Uh, and a book that she wrote called The Revelations of Asher Towards Supreme Love in Self. We're going to be doing that this hour. Um, Janine Staples is the author. She's going to be joining us here in just a little bit. <clears throat> Before we get to that place, uh, we would like to invite you, we being my whole team and I, uh, me, myself, and I, um, to arrive. Arrive wherever we are transitioning to. We are usually moving so fast, spinning lots of plates, that um, taking a moment to arrive is often a luxury and one we have to work for, ask for, and create space for. So in this moment, you get to get here. And one of the ways I would invite you to do that is to find your breath, to notice where your breath is breathing you right now. might be in your belly, you might notice it through your nostrils, in your chest, just taking that moment to turn your attention to your interior, your body, and enjoying, if you can, that breath, letting it innervate your experience, calm your nervous system, and as you're getting present, You might consider 
how this allows me to receive presents today. In, in your case, uh, Janine Staples is joining us, our author, and she's got presents to give us, so we want to be present for her. There you go, allowing that breath to deepen. And then uh, second part of our practice, we like to invite you to do something to cultivate uh, a shift in your perspective particularly given we have so much on our plates, it's easy to get lost in the spiral of negativity, overwhelm, uh, just pop up and out of the body, racing around, etc. One of the things I love to do is invite you to find a portal of gratitude. The way that I would invite you to do that is answer the following question. Who helped you do whatever it is you're doing right now? How many people has it taken, and you can go as far back as you like, who helped you uh, eat your food this morning? How many people did it take to cultivate your breakfast or the clothes that you have on? Who helped make it possible for you to be who you're being right now? Just some great entrees, an inquiry into cultivating gratitude. It is not easy to get grateful. People talk about it like it is. Some people on some days, find easy access. I notice a lot of folks find it difficult to make the shift. We are dealing with all kinds of concerns and issues and real-life survival uh, issues, etc. and why cultivate gratitude? It expands our perspective. So go ahead and go down your list of who makes it possible for you to do what you're doing right now, and I will go through our short list so you know um, who makes this program possible for the last 11 years. Our honorary sponsor at the global level is the OneWorldChildrensFund.org. If you're online, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. At the national level, the National Action Organization committed to changing the way our culture values each other. They are responsible for 100% of the proceeds that goes to this program and others just like it. And at the local level, the Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California, get the latest in meditation and revelation have books just like Judean sitting on their shelf beautiful anthems and opus to one's life work etc check them out online opensecretbookstore.com or, or go in and have a look around I've been going to that bookstore for almost 25 years now alright everybody you're breathing in and out you are definitely trying to find your way to some gratitude and there it is there's the practice using our skills and tools to move through the world in alignment with what we know. I was talking with a friend and a scholar the other day, and his real simple map is we move from understanding to knowledge to wisdom. Excuse me, and that's what this program is devoted to, helping you take what you know and embody it and be in alignment with what you learn and the awarenesses that you cultivate. That's the practice here at Marianne Live. And today, to help us do that, we're really excited. Janine Staples is joining us today. Uh, she's written a book called The Revelations of Ashard Towards Supreme Love in Self. Janine Staples is uh, Associate Professor of Literacy and Language, African American Studies and Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies in the Pennsylvania State, at, the, at the Pennsylvania State University. She's trained over 3,500 teachers of underrepresented minority students in cutting-edge, anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-abellist methods of instruction and assessment. 
She's an expert in research on marginalized women and girls, particularly with regard to understanding lover identity, which we're going to talk about today, developing emotional literacy and uh, promoting emotional justice for social justice. She likes to meditate way before dawn, work out like a soldier, and shop alone. <laughs> She's a survivor of multiple terrors in love. We're going to talk about that as well. And we're going to be talking about her book, which actually I just couldn't put it down. I, I was intrigued, um, finding, trying to find myself, my sisters, our culture, humanity, through her inquiry into love and what it means to love as an African-American woman and how that applies to the rest of us in humanity, particularly in this Western culture. Welcome to the program, Janine. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Marion, for um, welcoming me here today. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Wow. We are all lined up for you, Janine, because, you know, you say the word love, and it's like Pavlov. <laughs> Most women, <laughs> yes, they do. They start salivating and getting all excited. Who, what, love? And then lover identity? Oh, I need to find mine. <laughs> What's that yes, all about? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, the trek you've made as an academic is, is not necessarily a beeline, although your inquiry process has been through your own uh, experience as well as other women's lived experience. But let's give folks a little bit of context for the work you do and how you came to this research. The story is just magnificent. Yeah. So the work that I'm doing now um, is about terror and love. And to a lot of people, those two terms don't work together. They don't fit. It's an odd pairing. However, when we delve deeper and we go under the surface area and we both move and women, and is an expert um, in mindfulness, um, and it is that they actually do work together quite often, too frequently, actually. Um, so what I mean by that is ways that women um, are socialized. Um, in a lot of times, specifically in the United States of America, um, for those who are global citizens who are watching outside, this is definitely happening in other countries. We are trained pretty systematically to demote ourselves um, and promote other people, typically men or people who claim masculinity, in ways that are really, really um, pain riddled. That causes to go from girlhood to adolescence young adulthood and full-fledged womanhood um, with lots of gaps, with lots of voids, lots of misunderstandings about what it means to be loved um, truthfully and earnest with deep compassion, with respect. Um, and I don't mean to suggest, I think sometimes people prove my work and they think, oh, are you saying that all men are abused? And I think that it's too... Um, hey, Janine, I'm going to jump in here really fast and, and say sure. that... I'm pretty sure if I can't hear you, my listeners can't hear you, and it sounds like you're in a bubble. And everybody else, just take a breath out there, okay? Live radio, no problem. We're going to have Janine call us back. Um, but, Janine, we don't want to miss one morsel of what you're saying. So I'm going to have you call back into the studio, if you don't mind, because what you're saying is life-changing. People need to understand this. We all need to be reminded or understand this. Is that okay? Why don't you call the studio back? Absolutely. Great. All right, everybody else sit tight with me because what we're going to do is we're going to continue to spread out into this inquiry here and creating a little context for you if you're just joining us. Um, you're in the right place. Janine Staples has written a book, The Revelations of Asher Towards Supreme Love and Self. Uh, Janine was explaining for us a little bit of the, the um, thought behind this research that she embarked on 
and sort of giving us a lay of the land of what it means to love. Uh, most of us don't even unpack that word or idea uh, beyond we know it's something that we want and we move towards it quite frequently and often ends in, in disappointment, despair, disaster, harm, etc. But the upshot is the little bits that we do get in romantic relationship we want more of and we want to figure out how to create uh, that way of being in alignment with love. Um, Janine's inquiry is how do you behave as a lover? Main chick, side chick, Bonnie, bitch, or victim, she says. These are the lover types we're going to talk about this this hour. And, and have you known the terror of emotional, psychological, or physical violence, she wants to know? And does that impact the way you show up in relationship and how you operate in the world? Um, as an alternative response, which is what we're going to be talking about here on Marianne Live, to the five toxic lover identities, Janine presents a new way of loving and living. She introduces a supreme lover identity and illuminates its integral connection to social and emotional justice for and through a black women's wisdom. She's going to give us tools and take ownership of how to take ownership of our lover identities. Consciously seek greater emotional justice for our lives and communities. And before we lost Janine, and she's back with us now, Janine, you were trying to sort of give us um, the foray of what it means to love in our culture and sort of our relationship with love, and then the shift in perspective is what you offer us. Yes. Um, one of the problems that I've found is that our socialization as girls and as women really involves a demotion of ourselves and a promotion of other people, <laughs> namely men, particularly if we're in a heterosexual relationship, um, but even some women in platonic relationships or professional relationships, um, and that menial, subservient, um, demoted vision of ourselves can cause us to misunderstand the way that love and loving works. Right. And there's a bunch of ways that we do this. You're going to illustrate some of those in the lover identities, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So can you give us yeah. a general example of what you mean to demote ourselves and promote other, like the, some of the common ways that we women do that? Sure. Some of the ways are very cliche, and we know them um, very well. I think the primary way that we do that is we give away power. And when I was really struggling with codependency, I did not like that phrasing. Yeah. It infuriated me because I didn't know what it meant. And I felt like people were pointing to it as a real hindrance to my progress in building healthy relationships and yet not able to define what that was. Mm -hmm. And here's basically what it means. When we as women are socialized to demote ourselves and promote other people, what that looks like is us relying on other people to tell us our value, mm -hmm. our worth, and our credibility to even make us visible. For example, the level of anxiety that a large percentage of women, not all women, a large percentage, though, place on being attached to another person is almost astronomical. Mm -hmm. And we know what that looks like. It's about needing to have a boyfriend or a fiancé or a husband. It's about seeming to have a child because if you're not 
parenting or partnering, if you are a woman, how do you exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like there's the two how archetypes that have been available for the last 5,000 years of the mother or the whore, right? The mother or the seductress, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's about being a sedu- seductress, um, either being the Madonna whore to a man mm-hmm. so that he can render you valid, mm-hmm. credible, powerful, visible, or being a Madonna to a child and basically capitalizing on the value that that child brings to your worth. And I am pro-partnering mm-hmm. and I'm pro-parenting. I am not an advocate for demotion and invisibility Mm -hmm. Um, because that causes so many stuck pain patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, It develops a lover identity that assigns authority, credibility, visibility to other people, which over time renders a lot of women basically vacuous. Right. Absolutely. Devoid of a center. Yeah, and your work actually helps name. Even though you started out working in the African-American culture, uh, I read Mm -hmm. further, and there were parts in your book that said, you know, basically this is a... The, the heterosexual female women's plight, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. So if you're listening, everybody, most women will be able to relate to this in some way, shape, or form, and we're going to talk about the way you came about um, finding these identities, and all of us will be able to find, if not only just one, maybe you know, a variety of the identities at different times of our lives. So we're going to get into that. But, Janine, I have a question for you, ultimately, because here on the show what we're what we're really about supporting people doing is taking this information and translating it into our lives. Like, how do we actually apply this uh, information so it becomes ultimately wisdom, our lived experience? So towards the end of the show, uh, we want you to continue to uh, not, not only offer us wisdom, but we want to walk away with some things we can actually start to do today, including reading your book. Is that a good deal? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So my next inquiry for you is let, let's uh, give folks an, ex- uh, an idea of how this inquiry started. It's really brilliant and so creative because you were working on your dissertation, and this was yep. sort of a byproduct of all this information a decade or more ago that you had sitting there that just kept calling you. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. In around about 9-11, I was in graduate school, um, and I was studying to earn my doctoral degree. It was full-time. I'm a classically trained anthropologist. And when 9-11 happened, for so many of us in the States, things changed dramatically, very quickly, overnight. And what I started to notice was there were lots of stories in media about black and brown women um, in sub-Saharan Africa, in the Middle East, all over the world, who were living in these subjected communities and their rights taken away. Um, And I knew of these stories. I was not ignorant of global politics prior to 9-11. I had educated myself about the world. The thing that shifted for me, Marianne, 
was that so many of the stories that popped up after 9-11 seemed so personal. Mm. So I would see a story of just one woman's plight or another woman's plight, a teenager. Um, and stories like, you know, she did not have the rights to a formal education, the right to um, vote or to own property or inherit anything. Mm-hmm. And her life was subject to um, a paternal law. Right. Had to have her father, her brother, mm-hmm. her uncle, her cousin, any male figure dictating her rights right. and privileges. And 9-11 exacerbated that. When we get back after the break, we're going to pick up where we left off. Everybody sit tight. Don't worry. We are going to be back for more. You're going to find out your lover identity type and uh, yeah. how to start practicing supreme loving when we get back right here on Marion Live. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off, and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries, for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights, and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back to Marianne Live. We're so glad you're here. You are in the right place. If love is of interest to you, I don't know anybody who's not interested in love, you're in the right place. I'll tell you, you've got to get a copy of this book. 
Go to Janine Staples' site in the meantime, janinestaples.com, for more information as you're listening along. Um, before the break, I was asking you, Janine, how did this inquiry come about? You were a, um, a doctoral student. 9-11 just happened, and you started noticing a pattern of all the interactions you were having with people, and women, women in particular, was related to these very personal experiences, which called you to your research that this book is filled with. Make that bridge for us now. Yeah. So when I started recognizing the stories in media that were popping up around the suffering that black and brown women were experiencing, I decided to gather a group of friends together to do social justice. I wanted to do a fundraiser. I wanted to maybe petition Congress to put pressure on governments to allow these women to vote. I thought of doing things that were very technical and logical to help to gather in um, social initiatives that would give rights back, legal and political rights. So the women I gathered together, Marianne, they got what I was saying, like intellectually, but emotionally they weren't feeling it. What they wanted to do and the way they shifted my attention, these are my colleagues and friends that I gathered together. They said, we know that women in other nations are suffering under these brutal regimes where they cannot vote, they cannot have a formal education, they can't inherit property. That needs to be fixed. In addition, we want to focus attention on how their emotional, psychological, and sexual, and social rights and privileges are also being repressed. They don't have the rights to decide who to partner with, who to parent, when or how to parent, how to adorn their bodies, when to have sex, when to not have sex. The level of control in psychological, emotional, social, and sexual terrain was something that we felt astounded by, and those women that I brought together, they wanted to really do emotional justice work. Mm-hmm. Making that, That's how we focus. Making that implicit reality explicit, because it's explicit right. that they can't vote, they can't own property, but this is a world they were living in that nobody had really pointed out, and that's one of the things that you've been devoted to, pointing it out, spelling it out, and then what? Yeah, so then the next step was to say, I said to the ladies that I brought together, if we are going to do emotional justice work and think about the emotional, psychological, social, and sexual well-being of women, we have to get clear about our own. Yeah. That's what we have to do. Yeah. So I invited us to turn the spotlight off of our objects of inquiry onto ourselves. And I said to the women, with myself as a leader, we have to put our stories out there. What choices are we making in love? How are we honoring the rights and privileges that we have mm-hmm. to choose lovers or not, to choose parenting or not, to choose sexual partners or not, to create boundaries, healthy boundaries for our psychological space, our sociological space or not? Like, what are we doing yeah. as lovers? Right. And what I found, Marianne, this is where things shift over. Yeah. What I found was these group of women these nine women, I counted myself as number 10, who were college-educated, straight, Christian, middle class, what I found was that so many of the sufferings that they were intrigued about in the lives of the women that they wanted to serve 
were actually endemic in their own lives. Of the ten of us, wow. five of us had been survivors of um, molestation, child molestation. At least three of the women had been survivors of rape. Four of the women had been in um, abusive relationships where they were beaten or physically assaulted by a former partner or current partner. At least five, maybe six of us had been involved with narcissistic partners. So as we started to do unraveling and I started to really uncover stories, I started to realize why the interest was there. We had toxic lovers' identities ourselves. Toxic lover identities. So this rose to the surface, this pattern wanted your attention, this shadowy material, I might call it, and you saw it across the board of all the things you were looking at wanted your attention. Okay, so the next yeah. thing you did was, whoa, first of all, it must have been mind-blowing in a kind of way, like how do we get from there to here, because I can see that in your face, that what's calling you isn't always what we think it is. Make the okay. connection for us. Uh, and then the connection between that and your initial inquiry. And, you know, how did that continue to lead and inform the toxic lover identities? We'll go there next. You know, Marianne, it helped me to think very seriously about performativity. And I think so many of our listeners would understand what I mean by that. Often we perform our womanhood. We're pretending. There's actually some incongruence. Our interior life does not match our exterior life. <laughs> That's the definition of suffering. Hello. <laughs> right? Sorry, I got excited there. Yeah, point it that is. out. <laughs> and I had the wow moment, and then I didn't, because I looked at all of these women who were so pulled together, beautiful, cosmopolitan, traveled, worldly, a little bit snobby, I mean, hyper-educated, you know, very Christian, you know, um, super righteous in a lot of ways, and there was an undercurrent. There were abuse patterns. There were pain sequences that were running in an undercurrent in each of our lives as a result of all manner of relational and social terrors that we experienced from girlhood all the way up to womanhood. And we repressed and hid a lot of it. So what, so what I'm hearing also is these identities were the only identities in a way that, you, that, that they shaped you based on the overarching survival um, uh, archetypes or, or the, the field in the world, right? The, the patriarchy, the oppressive nature of women, et cetera. The only way you could survive those abuses was to sort of constellate in these particular patterns that we're going to talk yeah. about, right? Or those yeah, are the ones are... that were predominantly available to you during this inquiry. Yeah, yeah? there were five. Okay. Five toxic lover identities. I call them reactionaries. They were basically coping spaces. Yeah. That's what happened. We figured out how to perform our womanhood in ways that helped us to survive and maintain that performativity where we looked really, really great on the outside. Even though we were falling apart, a lot of us dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. All right, let's start talking about them. Number one, who did yeah. you come across first and how? Yeah. So the five toxic lover identities, I gave them snappy names, sort of pop culture names, so that we can remember them. The first one is uh, Main Chick. I'll just go through them really quickly. Yeah. The second is Side Chick. Mm -hmm. The third is Bonnie. 
The fourth is victim, and the fifth is bitch. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the first lover identity, main chick, and I am a recovering main chick. What women can learn if they go to the Supreme Love Project um, is to take the lover identity quiz. What I say is that predominantly we have a dominant and a subordinate. Mm-hmm. I am a recovering main chick, Bonnie. I was a dominant bo- main chick and a subordinate, Bonnie. A main chick is a woman who is socialized and practices I- making an idol of men and masculinity to the extent that she needs the social capital ascribed to having a partner. Hold that thought, everybody. Everybody's like, hmm, I think I might be that. <laughs> We're going to get to the other four, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. We're going to get to the other, no, sorry. We're going to get to the other four right after we come back, right after the break. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. us. Shh. Over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net All right, everybody, you are in the right place. There is a revolution happening here, and women are like, what the heck? I don't want any more of that. We were naming that, ladies and gentlemen. For all of us, none of us want this anymore. It's an old paradigm. We're moving into a new paradigm of love and relationship, and Janine Staples is here to help us do that. But we need to identify it, understand from where it came, because it continues to try to encroach on our psyches. And we have a choice. Yeah. Right now what we're doing is identifying these, the ways that these particular, um, what did you call it, a, a way of um, battling or what did you say? This is how we deal with what's happening in the social structure, these, uh, these yeah. um, personalities. How did you say that? It was brilliant. I, well, 
I was saying this is the way that we react. This That's is right. our defense mechanism. Defense mechanism, like, right. Right. These are, these are part of our, what I call survival programs. Right. Um, yeah. These identities are born of them. So we have main chick, and a main chick is one, is one who has the accoutrement. Um, so when, I, when women want to ask, when, when women need me to tell them a pop culture example of what we might consider a main chick, what I usually say is Camille Cosby. Yeah. yeah. You see that as an example? Oh, yeah. Camille Cosby is really the consummate main chick by definition. Of course, I don't know Camille Cosby, right. and I am not indicting her by any no. stretch of the imagination. In articulation, however, she is a main chick. She and, and lots of main chicks enable the bad practices, the hyper-masculinist, the sexist, misogynistic um, practices of their partner, mm-hmm. even though other women might suffer as a result, even though children might suffer as a result, because at all costs, a main chick wants her social capital. Mm-hmm. She wants the visibility of that partnership. Yes. Without that, she doesn't exist. Yeah, she's got a golden ticket. That's power. That's right. She's like, that's the closest that's I'm ever going to get. This is my way to get power. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It causes a lot of suffering in communities. Lots yeah. of main chicks cause suffering yeah. because they enable men. Yeah. Now, side chicks. Shall I go on? Yeah, please. Okay. So a side chick, people sort of understand automatically what a side chick is, right? So a side chick is the mistress. Um, and I like to say there's a little bit more to a side chick than what you might imagine. So we might think of Olivia Pope if we want to think of the way that a side chick actually functions in the world. Side chicks actually um, end up being very strong on the inside, but really mushy and gushy on the outside. They're very susceptible to touch, taste, and sort of in a constant state of hunger, thirst, wanting gifts, time, sex, orgasms, attention, you know, that sort of affirmation that you get mm-hmm. from a masculine figure. And that's a woman who's basically suffering from a lot of emotional poverty because she's not able to generate that on her own. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible train of suffering. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it does a horrible thing to the institution of marriage, mm-hmm. you know, the perpetuation of side chicks. Mm-hmm. And decimates, decimates families and communities. We have Bonnie. Now, I took the name Bonnie from the Bonnie and Clyde motif. Yeah? yeah? yeah. So Bonnie is a ride-or-die chick. She is a woman who will ride for her man. She is the woman who is cooking, she's cleaning, she's paying the bills, she's planning the vacation, she's um, making the calls, doing the text, she's initiating, initiating, initiating. Bonnie is a masculine giver on lots of levels. She does not believe in her self-work. She wants to prove herself invaluable, indispensable to her man at all costs, even if it costs her her life mm-hmm. or her livelihood. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And so we have a victim. A victim is a lover identity, which I say in the Supreme Love Project as the leader of the community, it's the hardest to heal. I can definitely help a woman to heal that lover identity. It is the most difficult. It's a stubborn, stubborn lover identity. A woman who's operating in in victim essentially has a martyr complex. Um, she does a lot of disassociation. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a lot of, of selective memory. So she's mixing up some of the abuse she actually suffered, some abuse that never happened. She gives over her power so much and extends herself so much, she blames other people and vilifies other people so that she's constantly repressing herself, doing pity parties in her soul. The reason a victim identity is so difficult to heal is because she's got lots and lots of evidence to justify her identity. She's such a great person. She's such a giving person. She's such a self-sacrificial person. Mm-hmm. She's been through so much. She suffered so much abuse. 
oh, woe is me, oh, woe is me, how could you possibly ask more of me or want me to do something different? It's like she okay. has no self that she's aware she of. She has. It's, it's worse than that. It's, 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 I say that a victim lover identity is worse than having no self because that victim identity, that lover identity subsumes other people and makes other people participants in victimization. Okay, got You've it. You've got to play a part in a story. Got it. Yeah. So then we have bitch. Now, the, a woman who operates that lover identity actually operates either on an axis of two extremes. She might be very loud, very profane, angry, sort of trigger-happy, um, ready to defend herself. One of the reasons that happens is because she's hyper-vigilant about her own protection, her own safety, because she's mush on the inside. She's barely any boundaries or self-respect. So she creates walls, huge fortresses around herself, and with, covered with rabid dogs. She's a very lonely person, mm -hmm. usually. Mm -hmm. The other opposite end of that axis, of that binary of bitch is a woman who actually is not loud. She's actually seething with ang anger. That energy that you can feel, it's sticky and it's oppressive. So, Marianne, I don't know if you've ever been around a woman or any person whose energy is so stressful, standing next to them can stress you out. They're literally vibrating yeah. in rage, yeah. resentment, bitterness. Right. Um, one of the examples I give, if anyone has ever read The Help, that novel from several years ago, mm -hmm. or watched the film, mm -hmm. there's a woman in that film, in that novel, who eats the the poop pie. Oh, yes. That's right. Her. She's, she's occupying the, the lover identity of bitch. Yeah. She's very prim. Yeah. She's very proper. Yeah. She's actually not profane. The perfectionist, she is sadistic. too. Yeah. She is sadistic oh. and vicious wow. and cruel. Mm. in her disposition, mm -hmm. hateful. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the lover identity of bitch mm -hmm. as dominant when it's opposite end of profane. So thank you for that. And by the way, don't worry. All of these types are available in Janine's book. You want to go to her website yeah. or wherever fine books are sold. She's going to review how these types came forward, all of the research behind them, and yeah. what your main uh, type is, and then your subtype. Then we get back, Janine, so people can get a sense of where they might fall and how to find their way into these types. Don't touch that dial, everyone. We'll be right back, Janine Staples and Marianne, right here on Marianne Live. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. 
MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships, www.marianlive.com, core certification, learning tools to attract, build, and sustain great relationships. Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area, www.marianlive.com. What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, everybody. Janine Staples is joining us. She's written a book for us, The Revelations of Asher, Toward Supreme Love in Self. Janine, you were talking about these types, uh, yeah. these particular types of way that we constellate in um, reaction to what's happening uh, to women uh, in their relationship with love and identity. Uh, and it's dictated outside of ourselves. And so these are the identities that uh, you've named that seem available for us. You said there's a primary um, identity and then a sub-identity. Let's talk about the sub-identities and then what? What do we do once we know these things about ourselves? Right. So I call them dominant and subordinate, and it's basically an arrangement of, of the five. So as I said, I am a recovering main chick Bonnie, and that means my primary lover identity, the way I saw myself as a lover and performed my lover identity, depended on relationship. I was a serial monogamist. Mm-hmm. You would not catch me without a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's the constant signature of a main chick. And if she's not in a relationship, she's thinking about it. She's trying to get one. She's trying to be in one. She's talking about one. She's critiquing them. She's watching the shows, reading the magazines, you know, fantasizing, keeping a journal. And it's very, very other-focused. It's partner-focused mm-hmm. at any and all costs. Her identity is completely wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. The subordinate lover identity is what comes in second. It's your fallback, sort of remote set of behaviors, attitudes, actions. Um, and narrative structures that support the dominant. Mm-hmm. So as a main chick, I would do Bonnie as my subordinate, which means once I got a boyfriend, and as I said, I was a serial monogamous. I don't remember. Not, I've been single for the last four years. Before then, I don't remember being single before I was 12. Mm-hmm. And literally, a Bonnie um, is a ride or die. So once I would be the main chick and got my man, I would be a Bonnie. I was cooking the meals, I was making the plans, I was asking what was needed. I wanted to be indispensable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that I could be a figure right. featured in the narrative. Right. 
So when people, uh, women, find their way into these, uh, I'm going to call them archetypes, you call them identities, these ways mm-hmm. that we move through the world, um, once we become more and more familiar with these types, then what? What is, what is the goal here or the, the, the move, the next move, uh, shall we say, yeah. with understanding how we've constellated? Yeah. It's very important to be very familiar with dominant and subordinate, and then it's very important to get into a community of people who are like-minded. One of the things we talked about on the break is how lonely the process of identity deconstruction and reconstruction can be because our identities situate us in community. They connect us to other people. So if we want to do any sort of transformative processing, we're going to have to do some shifting, shape-shifting, and movement in and out of social circles and spaces. I brace women and say, if you want, if you found out your lover identity, the toxic ones, and you want to change them, get into a community and be ready. Because what's going to happen is there's going to have to be a rooting up, a tearing down, and a destroying of old behaviors, old belief systems. Like 9-11. survival programs. Sorry, right. just, I'm just saying the metaphor of tearing something down, the biggest, the That's best, it. of whatever structure. Sorry, that just popped That's in it. my, my field, That's right? It. That's right. Yeah. And the metaphoric power of the narrative, I couldn't even pr- have predicted, and yet it's there. Right. It's right. there. Right. So it's about tearing down, rooting out, destroying what was old, and rebuilding and planting new attitudes, new right. behaviors, new belief systems, new somatic memories, new narrative structures that don't make you a different person. They make you a stronger, more truthful, more honest and powerful iteration of your truest self. Right. Which I'm hearing the consciousness is what's different. It's bringing the awareness to this is what's happening, this is the landscape, this is how it happened, and then having agency, right? That's the piece here that you're inviting us into. Once we have agency, we can do something and we can do it in a group. Tell us about your group, your movement, how we can become part of that. Yeah, so... If you go to the SupremeLoveProject.com, um, right on the first page, scroll down just a little bit, and you will have an opportunity to take the lover identity quiz. It's a two-part quiz. It'll tell you your dominant and subordinate lover identities, and then we can get you into a, um, a free set of resources where it's a lecture series where I talk to you and break them down a little bit, and I tell you how those identities got built so you stop feeling so clueless and sort of resourceless mm-hmm. um, and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I produce free, my team and I produce free, high-quality free resources in the form of webinars, teleseminars, um, lecture series. We have a call coming up at the end of the week on Friday mm-hmm. where I'll hop on the phone that anyone can talk to, and I'll talk to you about your pain pattern. Great. Janine, this started out as an inquiry into the African-American and marginalized groups mm-hmm. of women. Talk about it. Has that changed? Is this a cross-cultural pattern that you're seeing? Speak to that, please. So, Marianne, it's funny that you would mention that. I literally thought, as a spinoff of the book, founding the Supreme Law Project would connect me to black and Latino women in the United States. And that's as far as I thought. Now, 18 months later, the Supreme Law Project has membership in 12 different countries. And... Most of our women, I would say we have, as our majority, 60, 62% at last count, are white women. Yeah, well, if you think um, about the yeah. central power figures in, on the planet have been white men 
That's right. patriarchy, right? So these white women also need to go back in and say no. So on every right. level, everywhere, we need to dismantle this, which is what your stand is for. So that's fascinating. Yes. Okay. And yes, so, sorry, did I cut you off? Were you going to finish that thought? Nope, that was it. Okay, good. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour, and what we promised is is something tangible. Although, of course, information helps shift and move through the body, and we change the way we are in relationship with the world. Let's take that to another level, and, and please offer us something we can do today to deepen our inquiry into this subject and how it can benefit uh, our listeners. Tell me that last question. How they can? Yeah. How they? What? What skill or tool right now we can offer our listeners so that they can deeper embody uh, this inquiry, so they can sort of start manifesting itself in their lives. <clears throat> the first thing I would tell women women to do is be honest. Stop lying. One of the things I had to realize about myself as a main chick, Bonnie, is that I was an emotional liar. I lied about what I was thinking and how I was feeling regularly. Mm. I was doing duplicity almost all the time. Mm. Because a toxic reactionary lover identity is performative, we're pretending a lot. Mm. We're showing off a lot. Mm. And the level of disingenuous, duplicitous, dishonest residue that forms in the soul and the soma is killing us. Mm -hmm. Stop lying. Step number one, tell the truth. You're not happy. You don't sleep at night. You don't know your real voice. Your boundary function sucks. Mm -hmm. You don't feel authentic. You're not comfortable in your skin. You back down from communications and conflicts. You give away power, and you're looking to someone else to validate you and authenticate you. Stop lying mm -hmm. about all of that, about all of it, and that's the first step to getting free. Oh, my God, and a beautiful invitation, a courageous invitation, and I might add to that practice. Start with somebody that you know loves and cares about you that even when you tell the truth, they're going to stay in relationships so you don't feel so terrified of losing something until yeah. you develop this strength and momentum. Yeah. Janine, yeah. it's been such a privilege to have you here. What your life stands for is a an, an deep inspiration for all of us, men and women on the planet. You are Thank welcome you back so much. anytime. <laughs> all right, everybody. I would feel so honored to come back. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Sit tight, everybody. We'll be back for our wrap in just a minute. Don't touch that dial. Everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. 
Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. everybody. Hey, Janine Staples has a program. I'm going to let her tell you about it in 10 seconds how to find it. Tell people how they can sign up, Janine. So the program is not open to the public. I only am enrolling women that I interview. So if you're interested in um, connecting, please email support at janinestaples.com. I'm capping enrollment at 30 people. We're halfway through with enrollment right now. The door is closed April 4th. Beautiful. Thank you. For more information, JanineStaples.com, across the board, minimum, minimum, you got to get a copy of the book, The Revelation of Asher, Toward Supreme Love in Self. Okay, everybody, next week, same time, same place, you want to tune in because Tom Sterner is going to be here talking about his book, Fully Engaged, Using the Practicing Mind in Daily Life, right here on Marianne Live. Okay, last part of the practice is this. Go do something for somebody else today. Go do something good for somebody else today. And don't let them know you did it. That's the third part of your practice right here on Marianne Live. We'll see you next time, everybody. Check out MarianneLive.com for more information. Until then, I wish you all every blessing. Take care. Hey, Frankie, why the long face? You know Louie last week.